this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Father God, even now, as we come before you, Lord, I ask that your blessings be upon this word and that the people be encouraged, even as you have asked for me to give a word of encouragement. And so, Lord, even now, I submit to you that your word may go forward and that all that you have given me that I will share to those present and those who will be listening. And so I ask for your guidance, for your wisdom, but most of all, for your healing power to rest upon your people's heart as they receive from you the bread of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's been so many times where I've looked at things and I never really seen the view of God's view of it. And so I was sitting back in the children's room today and as I was sitting in there, the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to encourage the people. And I immediately began to look through words of encouragement, and then all of a sudden, Luke stood out to me. And so as I began to look at Luke, it, uh, I was looking at the Enduring app, and it basically gave a testimony of someone. And then the Holy Spirit then began to draw me back and literally began to look at a testimony that I didn't expect. And I didn't even understand or even recall or even considered to be of a testimony. And a lot of times you probably won't recall or you probably won't even consider to be of a testimony to anyone as well. And he took me back to, I wouldn't necessarily call him my stepdad, I just used to call him my mother's husband, okay? And he was my mother's husband, okay? And I can't necessarily say that he was a father to us. And the main reasons why I couldn't say he was a father because there were some times he would make comments about our body and I would literally have to check him and get him in order and say, you're, the, you're supposed to be my mother's husband, don't look at me. And over the years, you know, I could clearly say that he grew on us. And he became someone that I guess the grandkids looked up to 
and because he accepted and welcomed them as their own. My sister had eight children outside of marriage and looked like every year we got a new child. And my parents celebrated the thought of a new baby. You know, oh, here go another one. I got to take, even though they were speaking negatively, but they were thrilled that there was a new baby coming, you know, and they were excited about this new baby that was dropped off at their doorstep. And in return, she was taking them all in, even though she was complaining at the fact that she was taking them in. And they treated every single one of them as if they're their own. They still call them mom and dad today. And I'll be like, no, that's your grandparents. Let's get it right. You know, um, but as I was sitting in the other room, the Lord reminded me of something so important. This man touched my faith. This man brought Christ into our house. And whether he was walking upright with Christ or not, he brought Christ into our house. And I'll give you guys a story because we literally didn't see him as the Christ person. When my mom met him, he was living with somebody else. And he would come over and he had a eight o'clock deadline to get home to the other house. And that eight o'clock deadline to get over to the other house was something I didn't agree with. And so I would always vocalize my opinion to my mom. How dare this man come in our house and he has an eight o'clock curfew and try to dictate to me. I'm not going for it. I'm not in agreement with it. But because my mom was dating him at the time he, before he became the husband, he would gather us and take us to church because he was a deacon. <laughs> yeah, I'm going somewhere with this. And because he was a deacon, we all went to church. We faithfully went to church. And my mom set up a rule that if you didn't go to church, you didn't eat on Sunday. So you went to church because you wanted to eat. And they were the type of people that after church, everybody would go to dinner. If you didn't go to church, you didn't eat. Not only is it after the church, my mom would go from church to church to church to church to church with him, and we would go to these places, and it would be revival, 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 and revival. And if somebody was always being revived because we were going to all these revivals. And I didn't really understand revival at the time. I just said, nobody's getting revived because... We're just coming together and we're breaking bread and sharing food. That's all. And then it went from one church, that church then invited the other church back, then the church invited the other church back, and it just kept going in circles. But he was there. And we were there with him. 
And as I began to look at the story of what Jesus was saying to me in the room, he literally said, you never know how one person's life impacts so many. And you never know how one person's life changes everybody else. Because you guys not understanding. You guys are here because of that man impact on me. Do you get it? You guys are here because that man made an impact. And the Lord didn't see his sin. The Lord wasn't focused nowhere upon what this man was doing. It was for the result that he brought forth. And so as I began to look at the story, I was like, oh, my God. Lord, I would have never, ever, ever looked at him as that. He was my mother's husband. You know, we didn't call him dad. And it's so funny. So we're at the day of the funeral. And they were faithful to the church they attended. They were faithful to the church they attended. They did not attend church because they had got older. But they were still faithful. They said, hey, we want you to go back to this church. We want you to make sure that you talk to the pastor and we get buried and they do the ceremony here. And so we went and we had service there. But I want to make sure that I bring to you guys' attention something funny. So we get to the place and the pastor is no longer the pastor. The pastor has passed down the service to his son. We don't know the son, or if we did know the son, we don't remember the son. And so I remember the son who was the pastor, he said, in this family, how many of you are believers? More than 90% of us raised our hand. And then he said, in this family, how many pastors you have? Two of us raised our hand. In this family, how many people are spreading the gospel? Many of us raised our hand. We didn't know the impact that he had on us until we stopped to see. So it wasn't about the sin. It was about how effective he was in getting us to see Christ. Now, I can recall this gentleman reading his Bible and having fights with everybody in the church because he's seen it different. Okay? He did not see scripture the way we see scripture. And, and many times we tried to educate him because I don't know what Bible he was reading out of. And everybody knew him as the deacon that would cause the uproar. 
He was a deacon that was not a deacon that you can tame. And everybody understood about that. He was quick to point out everybody else's shortcoming, but nobody seen his because he held his, covered his very well. But all the stuff that I'm sharing with you didn't matter to Christ. Do not you see the encouragement here? But it was so funny, too, because if I go down the road, and it was the most unusual but amazing story. Both of my mothers, rather, both of our uncles died on the same day. And now my other uncle, he had a little thing missing about him, too. And and then I, I literally say missing about him because he said something to me that was totally out of line. And and when I say totally out of line, beyond out of line that I could ever imagine. But I was still cordial with him because I just considered him different. You're different. Okay. And I, I stayed away from him because he was different. But they end up in the same facility before they left. And coming to the same facility, God had a plan. So my uncle wasn't truly a believer, but he ended up having some issues and he ended up in the same convalescent home or whatever they call it before you pass and we were there visiting my mom and my stepdad and um, he was there the impact that my stepdad had on us, caused us to run upstairs and have a conversation with our uncle and lead him to Christ. So you never know the impact that you make on people. You never know the life that each person has. And so as I was sitting in the room, the Holy Spirit said, what you guys call a celebration, when someone passes on, you have no clue as to what it looks like in heaven. He said every single one of them are celebrated. And they're celebrated for the ones that are living. The impact that they made. So what the Lord was literally showing me as I was looking at the message, he said, it's the impact. It's the impact on others that I'm looking for. 
is not the perfect life, it's the impact that you make on others. And that's the most important thing now. It's not about, oh, he was a deacon and he fell short. It was the impact that he made on me. When he came into our house, he caused me to start watching the word on TV. And I remember a conversation back in the old days, for those who can remember, there were certain people that if you sent a, uh, a, a conversation, meaning because we didn't have back then anything other than you had to write a letter. They said, if you write a letter to us, we will send you some pens and these pens that you get, these pens you can post on. And so I wrote a letter and then I wrote another letter. Excuse me, and I wrote these letters, and the letters sent me back pens. And I remember my mother's husband said to me, Oh, where'd you get them pens from? Because he wanted to wear them to church. And I said, Well, I wrote a letter, and they sent them to me. He said, Well, will you write a letter for me? Well, I wrote a letter and he got some pens too and he was thrilled about the pens he had and I had some pens and I don't remember who I wrote a letter to but I was this little kid that wrote a letter and got some pens and they were all about Christ. But that was the impact he made on me. He made me see that God was real. Lord wants me to talk about another story that the impact was great. I would go to church, and my mom had joined the choir. And my goal was to make her laugh. I wasn't in church. I went to church. I wasn't in church. I went to church. Okay? He made an impact on me, but I still didn't understand church, okay? And at that time, I didn't understand church at all. We had to go to eat. That's all I considered church was. And everybody was being revived at some point in time, and I didn't know who was dead, okay? <laughs> so to take you further, my mom is singing in the choir. Evidently, she must have knew how to sing because they gave her a solo, okay? And it was a slow song. And as she was singing, I was like, this chick could sing? You know, that's why I said, mm, you could sing? And I fell out laughing. The whole time she was singing, I was laughing. To the point they were saying, get her out of the church. Because it was funny to me. My mama singing a solo, okay? Oh, my God. And so you can see I didn't take it serious. And so I'll never forget, after she sung the solo, she was crying and other people in the church was crying. What the heck did she say? What the heck happened? Were they crying because I was driving my mother crazy? I didn't know. 
But then all of a sudden I look alongside and I see my oldest sister crying. And so I kick her. And I literally say to her, oh, you acting stupid too. What you crying for? Ain't nothing in here to cry for. I said, because the show hasn't started. I don't remember sister whatever her name was would get up and do a tap dance and I couldn't wait on the tap dance. It was a tap dance. And if she tapped too hard, everything would be exposed. So let's just see what she does. But you guys failed to see these things made an impact on me. Although they're funny, they were an impact that made me want Jesus. And I never understood, so I finally talked to my sister later and I said, why are you crying? They said, Jesus is here. Did he show up in this room and I just don't see him? I need to see him too because I've got some things I want to talk about. I didn't see him. And every single time she got up to dance, Jesus was in the room. She was dancing for Jesus. Crazy. She was dancing to her hat fell off. She was dancing to her wig fell off. She was dancing for Jesus. He said, do not you see the impact that people make on your lives? Do you not see the things that people have done to cause you to be here today? What they have done still speaking today. And so he wanted me to have you guys to look back. What they have done is still speaking today. Somebody made an impact. Somebody said something. But even in whatever they said or they did, they may not have been walking right. They may not have been living right, but they still made an impact. They still gave you something that was so vitally important that you are here today. And that's what he wanted to encourage you with. Because you are making an impact. You're giving somebody something that they have no clue, and eventually they're going to look at it and say, oh, my God, I remember him or her. Not only is it that I remember them, but this is what changed my life. And this is how it changed my life. I stopped to think how Brian makes an impact, made an impact. So every time we sing that song that we were singing, I can see him stand, dancing in the center of the floor, giving his all to Christ. Yeah. And, and, and it just wants me, makes me want to scream and holler yeah. and, and make sure that song goes at the top of the top of the top of everybody's lungs because I can see 
Brian standing in the middle doing that karate dancing, <laughs> doing everything in his power to give God the glory. And I'm just like, oh my God, look at this guy. I can recall people coming in just to watch him and just stand there for hours on end and watch him give God glory. He made an impact. He made an impact. And even when we make a mistake, we make an impact. So as the song was going forward today, I stopped and Charlie got a little ahead of herself and she looked at <laughs> Precious and she started laughing. And I said, I do that all the time. <laughs> you stop, but I just keep going. <laughs> and so that impacted me because it made me see that others make mistakes and they know how to keep going. Do you get it? That it's not about the perfectness of singing. It's about giving him the glory. And that impact is made. Another impact that I got to see today was, gosh, did you guys have the bread in the uh, room? There was bread made. There was bread, banana bread. You guys didn't see the, somebody was probably still had it covered, but there's banana bread in here. And for somebody first time being invited, she took the opportunity, yeah, and took the opportunity to bring the house something. That made an impact on me. Gail, Gail brought bread. It made an impact because... I'm like, wait a minute, this is your first day and you, you decide to bring something to God. To me, that made an impact. I was like, whoa. I started to say, take all this stuff off the table and let that be the impact. Because it's the impact that we make. And so the Holy Spirit was basically saying, you have no clue as to your impact. And even... If it's a negative impact, it's still an impact. Because I can recall my stepfather, he would have the deacon meeting at the house. And in him having the deacon meeting at his house, everybody would walk away pissed off. They would be madder than mad and they would be like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. And so I remember one day I just decided I'm going to try to help him so he don't make the stupid mistake. Guess what? He's still dead. It's still an impact. And it got them to fight harder. It got them to look at their word. It got them to really begin to focus in on what's there. They said because they couldn't come to him with any old kind of thing because they had to get him to see. And so they did their job because they knew they had to go to his house. And the impact that he made on them caused them to look at their word because he would be way over here. 
And so you never know what drives you. And so let's go into the word. Again, he wants to encourage you. Can you tell them when you're reading oh. first the story first? So I'm reading Luke 12. But I want you guys to hear a story. And the story impacted me because I would love for that to be me, but my impact is different. Your impact is different. All right, right. Mm -hmm. It's about his impact. The, sorry? The connection to his previous words may be that hypocrites will always despise the faithful. So the followers of Jesus must be ready to face persecution. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. When Jesus spoke to these disciples of his about martyrdom and persecution, he knew all that all of them except John would die martyr's death for him. He also knew of his own coming suffering. Given the recent display of opposition to Jesus, it is reasonable to think that the disciples felt the increasing stress and anxiety leading up to the crucifixion. They needed to gain the same peace Jesus had and put fear into perspective. After that, have no more that they can do. All persecutors can do is kill and God has ultimate power over the life and death of the believer. Therefore, we shouldn't fear our persecutors, but have a healthy respect of God that makes us more concerned with obeying him than any man. But I wanna stop for a moment and talk about persecution because it sounds a little funny. How did persecution come with this message? I persecuted my mother's husband. I was the constant reminder that he was falling short. And I would literally say to him openly, don't come here dictating because you don't live here. Go home to your wife. I would make absolutely sure that I would say that to him every single time he came over. I would remind my mother that that ain't her husband. <laughs> And stop trying to act like we're a family because we don't have no dude in our house. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. I even picked the one I liked out of all the, mom, the men that my mom dated. And I would bring him over <laughs> at my choice. So I was the persecutor. Because I thought I knew what order looked like. This is a 16-year-old kid thinking they know order. I thought I knew what it was supposed to look like. And even when he was there, I invited my teacher to church. My mom's single. 
my teacher's coming to church. But I had no clue that every woman in the church was after my teacher, and my mom didn't pay attention to him. So what I'm saying, I was the persecutor. I was there on the other side, basically calling him out for everything he did wrong. And I reminded him constantly. Even to the one point when he said something about our bodies, I said, the next time you say something about our bodies, you will not get Christmas gifts. I am delivering this message to all my siblings. He never, ever, ever spoke of our bodies again. He got Christmas gifts. <laughs> but hear me. He ended up right-sizing the situation. He divorced his wife, and he married my mom. He got in order, he did everything right. But I still persecuted him. And I persecuted him because it was just something I did. Why change now? You in order. But I didn't realize till he was gone that he was a good man. I was so focused on the things he did wrong that I didn't see that he was a good man. And I didn't think he was honored and respected by God. I didn't think that God even looked at the works he did. And I showed it and realized my whole family was one of the Jews in his crown. life didn't look like Christ to me. Now, let me make sure I, I can recall a crazy event. They put him in charge of the church money. <laughs> and Mrs. Lanice Brown, my mom, got a hold of the church money. It wasn't him that was the problem, it was Lanice Brown. <laughs> she tapped into it and believed that she could pay it back later. Well, they came to call on him to get the money. Mrs. Lanice Brown took the money. And Mr. Deacon Brown had to stand for Mrs. Lanice Brown taking the money. And he had this way of saying, my wife. I am so sorry, y'all, but my wife got a hold of it. And you know when you have wives and she's trying to pay something and she need a new hat. He got fired from that, but it was okay for him. He still stayed in part of the church. And I thought... 
the church was going to fall apart and they were going to kick him out, but they gave him forgiveness. I didn't. Crooks. That's what I called them. I said, you fail to understand Mrs. Lenise Brown. She see money, it's hers. That's my mom. And I never ever thought that that made an impact on me. That's why I don't misuse his funds. It was intended for me. It was intended for me to see in order to make the right thing for the church. So you never know what's making an impact on you. You never know who's persecuting you for something greater. The connection to his previous words, oh wait, I already read that, sorry. Given the recent display of opposition to Jesus, it is reasonable to think that the disciples felt the increasing stress and anxiety leading up to the crucifixion. They needed to gain the same peace Jesus had and put fear into perspective. After that, have no more that they can do. All persecutors can do is kill and God has ultimate power over the life and death of the believer. Therefore, we shouldn't fear our persecutors, but have a healthy respect of God that makes us more concerned with obeying him than any man. A man has but one life to lose and one soul to save, and it is madness to sacrifice the salvation of the soul to the preservation of the life. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. The word translated hell is Gehenna. It is derived from the words Valley of Henna, which was located on the south and west sides of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, it was a place of child sacrifice to Molech. The reforming king Josiah stopped child sacrifice in the Valley of Hinnom, and it became a garbage dump, a stench, a stench with continually smoldering fires. In the days of Jesus, it became associated with eternal fiery punishment, what is called the lake of fire in other passages. Yes, I say to you, fear him. There are literally millions of examples of people standing strong for Jesus through persecution, of those who honor God more than honoring man. Following is the particular story of an Englishman named Roland Taylor. In a book first printed in 1890, John Ryle describes the death of Roland Taylor, who was executed in England because he believed that priests could marry and that the bread and wine of communion did not become the actual literal body and blood of Jesus. On the last day of January, 1555, Taylor appeared with two others before the Bishop of Winchester and was charged with heresy and dividing the church. When they refused to change their minds, they were condemned to death. 
When the condemned, they replied back to the bishop, we know that God, the righteous judge, will require our blood at your hands, and the proudest of all of you shall repent, this receiving again of Antichrist and of the tyranny you now show against the flock of Christ. On February 4th, Taylor was kicked out of the priesthood, and that night, his wife and son were permitted to eat dinner with him. After dinner, they left, and with much affection and tears, the next day, he was led out to Hadley to be executed so that he would be burned to death in the city where he served as a pastor in front of his congregation. So I want to make sure you guys know that this is someone basically of the Catholic faith. Okay, so um, when you're looking at what he's done, he's going against what they all believe. And so now he's at the point whereby they're scheduled to kill him because he overturned their faith by getting them to believe something other than what was written. When they left the London jail on the morning of February 5th, it was still dark. Taylor's wife suspected he might be taken that morning, so he waited with her two daughters outside the jail. When she called out to him, the sheriff allowed her to come with her daughters for one last meeting with her husband. Roland Taylor took his little daughter, Mary, up in his arm, arms, while Elizabeth knelt with him and said the Lord's Prayer. They prayed together, then kissed and hugged, and Taylor said to his wife, Farewell, my sweet wife. Be of good comfort, for I am quiet in my conscience. God shall raise up a father for my children. He kissed his daughter Mary and said, God bless you and make you his servant. And kissing Elizabeth, he said, God bless you. I pray you all stand strong and steadfast to Christ and his word. And he was led away. His wife called out, God be with you, dear Roland. I will, with God's grace, meet you at Hadley. The journey from London to Hadley took several days and all along on the trip, Roland Taylor was joyful and merry, as if he were going to a banquet or a party. But on February 9th, 1555, they came into Hadley. When they were still two miles from town, Taylor leapt off his horse and started on foot. But he was walking fast, almost as if he were dancing. The sheriff asked him how he felt, and he said, well, God be praised, Good master sheriff, but never, never better. For now, I know I am almost at home, even at my father's house. Oh, good Lord, I thank you. I shall yet once before I die see my flock from with whom the Lord knows I have most heartedly loved and most truly taught. Good Lord, bless them and keep them steadfast in thy word and truth. When they came into Hadley, they put a hood over his head and came over a bridge. At the foot of the bridge was a poor man with five children who cried out, Oh, dear father and good shepherd, Dr. Taylor, God help you, as you have many a time helped me and my poor children. The streets were crowded on both sides with people who wanted to see him. When they saw him being led to death, they cried and wept with all their strength. People cried out. There. Do you guys see the impact? So it wasn't about he basically 
disagreed with what the scripture said. It's the impact that you're seeing that he's making on every single one of their lives. And so they're all coming out because of the impact he has made on them. It's not about what he's dying for. It's not about what he's fallen short as a result of. It is about the impact, and that's what God is trying to get you to see. Even with my own testimony, it's about the impact. And even in the midst of the persecution, it's the impact that you're making. So we're so busy sometimes focus in on the persecution that we're experiencing, but we don't understand you're being persecuted because of the impact that you're making on the individual. Get it? He was being persecuted because of the impact that was being made on me. I was constantly persecuting him because I didn't know that there was an impact being made on me. Do you get it? Because if you can understand the impact you made on other people and what's going to take root in them and go forward in them, then you don't care about the impact that's being made on you as a result of the persecution. Wow, see it different. The streets were crowded on both sides with people who wanted to see him. When they saw him being led to death, they cried and wept with all their strength. People cried out, a good Lord, there goes our good shepherd from us that so faithfully has taught us, so fatherly has cared for us, and so godly has governed us. O oh, merciful God, what shall we poor scattered lambs do? What shall come of this most wicked world? God, Lord, strengthen him and comfort him. Taylor answered back, I have preached to you God's word and truth, and am come to this day to still it with my blood. When they came to the town square, he heard a great multitude and asked where they were. When they told him they were at the place he would be executed, he said, Thank God, I am even at home. And he took the hood from his head. When the people saw his face, there was an outpouring of emotion. They wept and cried out, God save you, good Dr. Taylor. Jesus Christ strengthen you, the Holy Spirit comforts you, and many other such things. Taylor wanted to speak to the people one last time, but as soon as he had opened his mouth, a guard put a spear right up to his mouth when it opened and made him stop. He started giving away his clothes, first his boots, then his coat and jacket, to all he had left was his pants and shirt. He then cried out with a loud voice, good people, I have taught you nothing but God's holy word and those lessons that I have taken out of God's blessed book, the Holy Bible. And I come out here today to seal it with my blood. But then one of the guards clubbed him over the head and said, is that keeping your promise of silence, you heretic? So seeing how he could not speak, he knelt down to pray. A poor woman came to kneel beside him and prayed. And the guards tried to push her away, but she would not go. When he had prayed, he came to the stake he would be tied to and he kissed it, 
stepped into a barrel and stood with his hands folded in prayer and his eyes towards heaven as they tied him to the stake. After some agonizing delays, they finally lit the fire and Roland Taylor prayed out loud, merciful father of heaven, for Jesus Christ my savior's sake, receive my soul into your hands. Then he stood perfectly still as the fires arose around him without crying or moving until a guard clubbed him one on the head and his brains fell out and his dead corpse fell into the fire. A marker was left that simply said, 1555, Dr. Taylor in defending that which was good at this place left his blood. But if you guys stop to listen to that, it's, it's every single person, the poor people that stands out in this story about the impact he made on them. Because you could see that he helped them in their need. Not only that, you can tell that he was someone that always offered them something because he began to take off his clothing and began to give it to the people. And so you could see the impact but also you can continue to see the persecution that goes forward. A lot of times we're looking at the persecution, I'll say that again, and you have to understand the impact. And so God is literally trying to get you in your own personal life, look at the impact. Because if you can see the impact that you are making, you will then understand the persecution you're going through. You can even see the impact on those in the household that you're in because they're changing as a result of what you're doing. And so what they're doing in return is persecuting you. Get it? So the impact that you're getting is because of the things that you're saying is just and right. And so they're going to do everything to shut you down and to keep you quiet. Because I even was saying to my stepfather, oh, you the deacon? You're the deacon? And if they knew how you live, you wouldn't be a deacon. Do you get it? You wouldn't be a deacon. And, and all the loans is making an impact on me. I'm the one that's changing. I am the one that's standing. And so every time he would have the meeting with the people in the house, and I knew he didn't know scripture, I would read my word. Do you get it? He's making an impact on me. But I didn't know he was making an impact on me. He was just my mother's husband. He wasn't no dad to us. And I remember somebody said, oh, that was your dad. I said, that man, don't, he don't talk to us. He don't help us. I said, he looks at our bodies. Did you get it? He looks at our bodies. That was the impact I could only see. And I said, oh, he's a dirty old man. And my mom doesn't know she married a dirty old man. But I didn't see it. And the reason why I didn't see it, 
Because the enemy will put the things that he wants you to see in front of you. And all I could see is, ugh. He made an impact that my mother started cooking. Okay? We would eat and she had people over to the house and she would invite church people over. And she, my mom was a great cook. She, she would cook. We had food on the table. We would eat as a family. He made that kind of impact. And Mrs. Persecutor, because I know you guys know me, he one day in front of the company said, hmm, go get me a glass of water. I ain't your servant. And, and, and I'm not your servant. And I wasn't in the mood to serve. This was before Color Purple. Oh my gosh. I think I could have been inspired Color Purple. Oh my gosh. He said, mm, that was the best glass of cold water ever. Go get me another one. I went in the kitchen. And I kicked the ice all over the floor. I kicked it back and forth. I rolled it around. I spit in it and turned it around. I sat at the dinner table with them, and he drunk his water. You'll never ask me for another cup of water. Because that was me. But then when I matured, I served him. Not only did I serve him, but I helped him. And when they didn't have something, I made sure I was there to put food on the table. Because he made an impact on me. I remember my sister coming into the kitchen and she said, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) And she said, I'm going to tell on you. And then I said, I'm going to find something to tell on you. (laughs) She sat across the table as he drank the water. Did not say nothing and I kept saying, you better not say nothing. (laughs) Get it? I was mad for no reason. I was the persecutor, and I didn't know why. I had no clue that Christ was developing on the inside of me. I had no clue that God was creating a plan on the inside of me. He was teaching me how to serve. Don't you get it? He was teaching me how to be a servant in his house. Jesus. I had no clue. The impact. Yeah, you laugh today. I have no clue the impact. 
And so when I was sitting in the room, he said, I want you to tell this man's story, but I want you to tell the story of your stepfather. <laughs> I said, that ain't a good story, Lord. He said, but it's a glorious story because of the impact it made on you because you were the persecutor. And in your persecution, you found me. So you see people different, right? You see life different. And you're okay with them persecuting you because you know that God is working on them. Yeah, you see it different. Every single time you see persecution, God's working on you. And he's creating a story in them because of you. There's another part of the story that I have to share. My mom wasn't sometimes committed in her marriage. <laughs> she had other ideas of what marriage was. Yeah. And, and I can recall a story well, my mom just decided she didn't want to be married anymore, and it was immediately after she got married. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say to you guys, somebody came along and she got married a little bit too quick, and this guy was full of everything, and he had everything he desired, and she knew he was on his deathbed. And so she left her husband. My mother's husband left her husband. Okay, so I couldn't call him my mother's husband anymore because she left him. So his name was Brown. Okay, we called him by his last name, Brown. And I remember going over to the house and Brown was in the dumps. Brown was just like, oh my God, he was devastated. His whole world was shaken apart. And he was just devastated. My mom had a mission. She was now married, but they were still renting. He owned a house that the other wife was in it. My mom wanted that house. So she kept telling him, you're paying rent at that house and you can't help me, I want the house. Now, the wife had passed and the kids were still in the house. My mom wanted that house. So he didn't give her the house, so guess what she did? She found somebody else to find a house. And my mom said, if he looks for me, tell him I'm on crack. No. <laughs> 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 
so serious. I am so serious, I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> and so my mom, because guys gotta get it, my mom hadn't really found Jesus yet. Get it? Because he affects, he was affecting me, but he wasn't affecting her, okay? And so now he's being persecuted, okay, because of her, okay? And he's having a hard time standing, and I would go over there looking for my mom, and she wouldn't be there. And then he would be, like, helpless, and he was the type of guy that grew up that never learned to cook for himself. He didn't even know how to go to the store and buy himself something to eat. So we had to stop by the house to make sure that this man ate food. She would tell us, go over there and make sure he gets some food, because she still cared about him. While she was trying to get her a house somewhere else. And she kept saying, this guy gonna die, he gonna leave me everything. Well, Christ got a hold of her. And she came home. The guy ended up dying. She didn't get his property. She didn't get his money. But she left all for the sake of God. His faithfulness and willingness to stay in the relationship was something she never seen a guy do for her. Get it? He made an impact. He made an impact. It changed her life. Fast forward. That impact became so real on me that I became a Christian. And in that, I began to tell him about the things I learned about Christ. He says, I never went that far. But his impact allowed me to go further than him. And so imagine what impact you guys are going to have on the other person. They're going to go even further. And they're going to keep going even further because of the impact you guys are making. Back to you. Realize your great value to God. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Not one of them is forgotten before God. If God remembers the sparrows, he will not forget you. So don't lose heart. So he's literally saying, don't worry about the persecution. Because the persecution is yielding fruit for him. And many of us don't get to hear what it looks like when that celebration of life goes forward. 
Because when that pastor stood up and asked, how many people did he make an impact on? All of us could say. How many of you stood for Christ and now standing for Christ as a result of this man? And many of us didn't raise our hand and didn't do much at that particular day. But I remember going in the hallway, because I didn't say I was a pastor. I went and walked over to the man and the pastor who was standing. And I said, you know, I didn't raise my hand and I didn't stand up. I said, but I have to. Because I know what this man did. He said he raised eight children that wasn't his own. And that speaks a lot about this guy. And he took them every single time they came. And so he loved your mother enough that he did not want her grandchildren on the streets. And these individuals today still call him father. So he may not have been the example that you needed him to be for you but he was everything they needed to be, he needed to be for them. And so he didn't help us, but he sure raised them. Okay, and so my persecution of him, like, you ain't my dad. You can't tell me what to do. You ain't here. He changed it with them. He changed it with every one of my niece and nephew. So you never know the impact of persecution. You never know the impact of persecution. Because all you see is the pain that you're going through. But if you can really see it, you'll say, I'll be persecuted anytime. You will be persecuted any time because of the impact. Because if you take this word and you look at it from Jesus' perspective, look at the impact. If you look at it from the disciple perspective and you can see them groaning as she read that and their concern and their fear gripping them because they knew he was going to the cross. But you can see the impact that he made on their lives and where they stood and where we're now standing as a result of the word that was written in regards to all he did. You would see persecution different. And you'll say, hit me, move me. I can take it because I know the impact that it's making on you. There are few things worse than the sense of being forgotten. Jesus assured every believer that their life was precious and remembered before God. Before he left London to be executed, Roland Taylor wrote his final thoughts in a book and presented them to his son. I say to my wife and to my children, the Lord gave you unto me and the Lord has taken me from you and you from me. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord. God cares for sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than is any father or husband. Trust, therefore, in him by means of our dear Savior Christ's merits. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him, for he has promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall certainly live and never die. Stop there. And so you hear the recall of this man's life. But then you hear the recall of my stepfather, who I now can say he was a dad. He was truly a father. Someone that I didn't see as a father. And I showed it an embrace. But the impact that's been made on me and my entire family, we can do nothing but give God the glory. We can do nothing but praise God because I stand before you today because of his example. And how much God loved him in the midst of his sin. Because I pointed out everything. I was like, oh God, they put the wrong deacon over the money. I said, oh my God, because Mrs. Denise is the wife. Oh my God. And I would walk around the house saying this out loud. Okay? I would say this and I would tell all my siblings, oh Lord, church going to fall apart. Mrs. Denise is in the house. Because my mother was one of them, she didn't pay bills until she had to. And she only gonna pay enough to get by. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but again, it's the impact. But by her not paying bills, it impacted me that I do pay bills, okay? By, by her not doing something, it always impacted me for the positive. So their lives impacted me and made me do things completely different than what I seen. And, and their servants of Christ, the way they serve Christ, made me take it up a notch because what I seen them do, I didn't think it was enough. So you never know the impact of persecution. You never see it unless you stop to see it from the lens of Christ. And then you are grateful to the individual that impacts your life. Because now that I see it, I had to see the video in there. He was walking me back through it and I said, oh, this man was a dad. You know, all this time I thought he was my mother's husband. And he says, and so this day you give him honor. And so shall they honor you. 
get it? So shall they honor you for the impact you're making on their life. And so he's saying to you, you're not forgotten. Because he's going to bring all this to their remembrance. And he's going to cause them to see who you really were. And the impact you make upon them. So he says to me to tell you, stand strong in the persecution. And be not afraid. For I get the glory as a result of your stand. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to you today. Praise be to God. Well, and some people you can say, oh, because even if you say, my parents was never religious, you are. That's what made you religious. <laughs> yeah. My parents was never this. That's why you're here. Okay. Look at the impact. <laughs> they didn't go to church. That's why you were at church. <laughs> because you want something different for your life. So look at the impact. So the negative brings forth a positive experience. And you can praise God. Thank you for not going to church. Yeah. And making me see the need to go. So I praise God. You are blessed. In Jesus' name, yeah. <laughs> have a good day. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.